James. <laughs> James, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, this is a little odd because I'm actually recording sitting down. He's Whoa. sitting down, you guys. James just got a fancy new little podcasting studio in yeah. his apartment. Where you go, hey. James. Thank you. He sent me a picture of it. It's very blue. There's lots of blue in there. Lots of blue and it looks black. looks nice. Yeah. Should, should we introduce ourselves? I yeah. think we should. All right, you guys. I'm Cece. I'm Alex. I'm James. And welcome to the 13th Floor Podcast, hosted by me, Cece. Me, Alex. Me, James. <laughs> <laughs> so... You James, guys. you sound like your diaphragm is just so full of air compared to normal. Yeah. Like you just, You're projecting those, so well. Those sultry tones are really just going to impress our audience this week. I think. Yeah, I think that like, <laughs> you know, and it's it's good because next week is our 100th episode. So it's oh, like yeah. James is finally getting his shh together before <laughs> <laughs> we reach a major milestone. Cece says as we record all of our episodes on the couch. <laughs> With a dog lying between us. Mm. Um, how have you guys been? I feel like it's been so long. Like James has his podcasting studio because he's been working on it nonstop for like a week. Alex, what have you been up to? Not a whole lot. I just avoided COVID at work, so that was nice. I think I mentioned that last episode. Yeah, we talked though. about last week. Mm. James, I've been you know just living life to the fullest. We cleaned our house. Nice. Oh. It looks nice. And then I, I haven't mentioned this yet on the podcast, but I started acupuncture. Oh, oh, that's right. Yay. I'm getting acupuncture now, you guys. And it's very, very nice. I actually would recommend it to everybody. It's very calming, <sighs> which you think it wouldn't be because you're being poked with little tiny needles, but yeah. you, know, you can't even feel them. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I've always wanted to give it a shot. Yeah, me too. More, more or less just because it just looks weird. Uh, it looks very peculiar. Turning into a little porcupine yeah you do look like a little porcupine the first time i went she like took it easy on me and she only put like 20 needles in mm. but then this last time she did like closer to 40 or 50 whoa mm. so they put them in areas that are gonna stimulate huh. your hormones and your life mm. you know what i mean mm. nice so well, i uh yeah as i mentioned i i got this office and really i couldn't have done it without my nephew and his friend Lyndon because they did 90 percent of the grunt work so yeah how much did you pay them? Nothing. I got them bubble oh. tea, boba tea, whatever you call it, and uh, I gave them uh, two free lessons in in both meditation and investing, which is an odd combination. <laughs> this is, wow, that's bizarre. I'm sorry. You how, know what? How old is your nephew and Lyndon? Oh, they're 13. They're going to be ahead of the curve though now. Yeah. yeah. You know, I don't know if those are really that separate. They sound you know, separate. You know what? But you talk to people in, in investing, a lot of them do meditation. Yeah, it does seem that way. It blows my mind how many times like I talk to like some higher up business type person and, and that's like the foot in the door for a conversation. You, I think you would be surprised at how many people... You know what? I know people that meditate and all of them make a lot of money. I don't know anyone that doesn't have money and doesn't meditate. Maybe meditating interesting. Mean- brings money in. Man... Maybe that's what I need to start doing. You know, my acupuncturist actually gave me a routine because I'm going to do a detox in February. And Alex is going to join me. Right, baby? You're going to drink that detox tea? Mm. We got to drink it for a week and detox. Mm. And uh, But I'm supposed to be meditating too, James. So maybe you need to give me a lesson. If I were in Kentucky, I would have moved your stuff in your office too. 
<laughs> wow. Anyways, is there anything else you guys want to talk about before we get to our icebreaker? No, I'm just bracing for this diet we have to go on for like a month. Yeah, we're going to be drinking some, it's called GI Fresh. Oof. <laughs> yeah, oh. Anything with GI in it. Oh, oh man. It's chocolate flavored. <laughs> um, what is one ancient thing can be a monument can be a, a form of technology what's something ancient that you have trouble believing people came up with because it's it is going to be part oh. of this episode oh man that's james you go first i'm gonna think i want to see what your answer is yeah i think probably the most remarkable thing to me is the the roman aqueducts they they had bathhouses they had plumbing they had uh water coursing where where you know anybody could fill their cup I mean, they had a level of infrastructure that we really didn't see until like 150 years ago everywhere else. It's just nuts. Hmm. Man. Yeah. So, yeah, Roman. I think I might have said Greek, but I meant Roman. Roman uh, aqueducts. I think you said the Roman aqueducts. Uh, that's, oh, okay. That, that, I mean, James just took mine. Definitely. <laughs> James, just, um, James just took mine too. Now, How dare you, You James? know, on the opposite end of the spectrum, you know, I want to throw a curveball. How did it take so long to make the wheel? Like you would think they would be they would be accustomed to roundish objects. Obviously, <laughs> you know, in the, there's a lot of free time. You're probably like, rolling these things around all the time. Why didn't you come up with a wheel earlier? <laughs> that's uh, that's actually something uh, related to our topic that I'm surprised about. About the <laughs> the wheel? Yeah, the wheel wasn't James, and you might have to correct me, but. I'm pretty sure the wheel is still not invented when Christopher Columbus arrived to America. In America. Uh, uh, you, you mean it wasn't invented by, by yes. the Amerindians? Yes. Okay, yeah. Um, no, that that's true. Um, one thing worth pointing out, though, and, and this is my argument for why it took so long for the wheel to be made, is if you think about like human lifestyle and the need for it, one, it's not just a question of a wheel. You need an axle, otherwise you're just dropping stuff. It's less a wheel and... And a container or four wheels in a container without an axle is more inconvenient than just carrying the thing yourself. Hmm. So there's that. And then if you look at the terrain, this goes double for like the Aztecs and the Mayas and the, the, the Toltecs. Like they had this amazing civilization, amazing monuments, no wheels. Well, if you look at the terrain, it wouldn't have been practical for that. So yeah. I can kind of see on that. So it's kind of a double headed argument. That's my argument for why it took so long for the West to invent the wheel and it's also why there was no wheel in the uh, uh, Americas. Interesting. Mm. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> um, my answer, you know, this is a really hard question, James, because it's not something I just think about, like marveling about old things. Hmm. The aqueducts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I'll, how about pulley systems? Those are really impressive, especially in ancient Egypt. Using those. Yeah. That's really impressive. Yeah. Look at oh, you guys. I mean, yeah. your historical <laughs> brains. Yeah. Brain surgery in ancient Arabia. That was another common thing that was like, it's like, how? How did you figure that out? How did, how do we know that they figured that out? Oh, there's like medical manuals and everything. What? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's been, this has been quite the icebreaker, James. <laughs> yeah. You really, you really killed it over there, CC. <laughs> 
Um, listen, you guys, we got a, a, an Instagram message from our dear listener, Corinne, and she sent us some dad jokes. Because if you remember a couple episodes ago, I asked you guys what your favorite dad jokes were. Oh, yeah. And Corinne sent me two of her favorites. Do you guys want, want yes. me to share them with you? Yes, please. Absolutely. Okay. Hmm. When is a door not a door? When it's a window. <laughs> I don't know. When it's a jar. <laughs> <laughs> and then... What's the difference between a poorly dressed man on a tricycle and a nicely dressed man on a bike? The way they're dressed and the and their bike. A tire. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so goodness. So thank yes. you, Corinne, thank for you, sending Corinne. those in. Yeah, I love thank those. You. Let's give a shout out to our listeners around the globe because you guys, we've got them everywhere. They're listening all over the place. Yeah, 13 floors <laughs> all over the world. So today we want to give a big shout out to everybody in Nova Scotia. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then here in the States, we've got Utah, which I'm going to be talking about Utah a little bit later. And then also Maryland. Maryland has, oh my goodness. Exploded. Like, yeah, there are so many people listening in Maryland right now. So you guys, no matter where you're listening, we just want to give you a big thank you, thank you. If I were there and if COVID wasn't a thing, I'd give you a high five or a hug. Wow. Uh oh. Wait one second. We've yep. got, we've got <laughs> some screaming. <laughs> Alex is upstairs laughing, so Gwen said something humorous. Mm. All right, so. All right, Alex was, is back, you guys. I'm back from Gwen. She was upset. She had pulled her shirt past her arms, and so her shirt was below her armpits. The neck of it was. <laughs> and so. <laughs> So she is just like had like this oddest crop top, I guess. And then she wanted to tell me that she pointed to each pinky and she goes, This is my tiny thumb and this is my <laughs> tiny thumb. Life with a three year old, you guys, never a dull moment. So you guys from now on, this is our challenge to you. You guys don't have pinkies, you have little thumbs. <laughs> this is my this is my little thumb and this is my little thumb. So anyways, you guys, um, so we just said hello to all of our listeners around the globe. Hey, everybody. And also, thank you to everybody who submitted topics to us this past week, because we've added some more to the vase. Magical vase. Alex, mm. are you still upset that I bought that vase? Yeah. No, but see, here's the deal. It's getting filled up a lot more now, so... Does that mean I need to buy a bigger one? No, I'm starting <laughs> to feel okay with it. Like, it's not quite the waste now. Yeah, there's a lot in here, you guys. It's mostly like... There's a lot of hair clips in here. I don't know how hair clips end up in here so often. I think this is a CC thing more than a Gwen thing. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know, I don't think about it too much. Okay, well, thanks to everybody who submitted topics. They are now in the vase right now. If you want to submit a topic, you guys, guess where you can do it? You can do it on the 13th Floor Instagram page, at 13th Floor Podcast, on our Facebook page, our website, 13thfloorpodcast.com, and then email them to us at 13thfloorpodcast at gmail.com. Right, guys? Yeah. Speaking of topics, today we are discussing indigenous peoples of America and possible alien encounters, and this topic was submitted to us by Caitlin from Colorado. So, Caitlin, thank you once again. Are you guys ready to talk about possible extraterrestrials yeah let's do it now i'm gonna go first i'm gonna lay the groundwork for us okay do it and let you all dig into some more juicy details sounds great so the first person i want to talk to is a talk to 
Did I say talk to? Yeah. <laughs> well, it might be a little hard. He's dead now. But <laughs> the first person I want to talk about is uh, from the Oglala Sioux uh, tribe. He was a holy man. He was a holy man from that tribe, and his name was Black Elk. Yes. You know him? Yeah. Familiar? First when name was, basis? When I was in college, I had to take a anthropology class on indigenous tribes. It was a very interesting And you class. learned about Black Elk? I did. Yeah, he seems to be a really big deal. Like, you know, I've never heard of him before. So to see him in so many different places, so many <laughs> different times, it's amazing. <laughs> so he lived quite a long time. Yeah. He was born in 1863 Ooh. and he died in 1950. Mm. So he was keeping his health up better than probably I am right now. So, <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> so I get so long. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just having such a hard time. Goodness. He's, he's having some trouble today, James. Uh, he's in his own brain. So, all right. So, he wrote this. Uh, this is his personal testimony of something that he had witnessed. And also, just a quick little sidebar before I get into his testimony. I didn't know he was the cousin of Crazy Horse, which was really cool. Anyway, so he said this. He says, so I went on a vision quest and that disc came from above. And we've seen this disc in a lot of different work, uh, pieces of art where they have that glowing disc. It's not glowing because it's etched in something, but it's a circle. there's a little circle up above. And this is what he's ref- referencing. The scientists call that a unidentified flying object, but that's a joke, see, because they are not trained. They lost contact with the wisdom, power, and gift. When he says that, he is referencing that scientists have lost their contact with the wisdom, power, and gift. Mm-hmm. I read this a couple times thinking he was talking about the aliens. <laughs> I was kind of wondering myself. Okay, because I, I thought it was a little nebulous the way it was phrased. So he said, so the disc landed on top of me. So I guess the spaceship lands on top of him. He said it was concave, and there was another one on top of that. It was completely silent, but lit and luminesced like neon lights. Even the sacred robes were luminesced, and those tobacco ties lying there lit up like little light bulbs. James, what's a tobacco tie? The thing that you tie it to, to the tobacco stick with? I guess. That's what it says. It's, yeah. I don't know. Tobacco tie. I, I fully relied on you for this one. Hmm. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, yeah, I looked it up, I so I can't take any credit for looking it up. Well, pretend uh, like you knew that, it. <laughs> you, um, he took a moment to look it up. That's more than you did, Alex. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's apparently a, a pouch that's used for ceremonial purposes. So tobacco and other plants are placed in a pouch and it's tied up and sealed. Oh, so interesting. So there are little tobacco ties to light up. Hmm. 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 So then these little people came, but each little group spoke a different language. They could read minds and I could read their minds. I could read them. So there was silent communication. You could read it. So he's saying, when you read someone's mind, you can read it. Not just like Cece knows what I'm saying because she sees the words. He's saying you can, like, if I wrote on a piece of paper, read it. Okay. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. I've never seen that interpretation. 
of Maybe. reading minds. <laughs> and I'm literally reading minds. So <laughs> I'm just blown away by this account. He says, so like when you read silent symbols in a book. So we were able to communicate. They are human. So I welcomed them. I said, welcome. Welcome. <laughs> so okay. this account is a little bit different from some of the other Amerindian accounts in terms of they actually look like people from the get-go mm-hmm. whenever they show up and arrive and apparently just land on top of them in their spaceship. <laughs> Poor guy. And another thing that I've noticed is that a lot of these accounts are different, but also very similar throughout the entire, not the entire culture, that's too general of a term. But so another Indian account was that of the Lakota people. And theirs was that the mysterious celestial beings they show up as spheres of light, which is like different. Like a little orb? Yeah, like a little orb of light. And they never materialize into a human form, like uh, hmm. Black Elk says. Instead, they show up and they find children. And the children follow them back onto their ship. That sounds horrifying. And they have a journey through space and time. Okay. Yeah, so this, this emphasis on... They emphasize that they're not scared of this. This is not something to be scared of. This is like almost a rite of passage for a lot of people. Okay. And so this is a good thing. Good lord. The space and time part makes it sound fun though. <laughs> and and so it's kind of it's more of a spiritual awakening when mm-hmm. they do these things. Now, the Cree have another similar story where the they believe that their ancestors arrived. So they're direct descendants of these aliens. And so they believe that their ancestors arrived in a spirit form, which I I just, I picture a ghostly visage and they become humans eventually on earth. Mm -hmm. I guess after they stick around for a while, they decide to materialize. I know that they're how Scientology works. (laughs) Interesting. I know that there are, because I remember when I took my class that there were stories like origin stories of people being built out of clay like yeah. spirits I've being built out of clay. Yeah. I wonder if that yeah. has something to do with it. Well, it could be. Well, that's inherently biblical, too. Adam means red clay because he was made from clay. Red clay. Hmm. So there's this Cree writer, Stefan Wutuni, and he explains a little bit on what the aliens mean to the Cree in particular. He says, uh, my people give far greater attention to the spiritual understanding of things rather than going after quote-unquote, the truth, as people from dominant cultures do. This is part of the reason why we tend to stand back and view or listen at first rather than bear in with questions or take the hard, direct approach. Which, I really like that. That's a really nice way to kind of look at things. So listen before just barging in, like a lot of us would be like, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. You tell me, blah, blah, blah. So he says, growing in a tightly knit community, Wutani listen carefully to the stories passed down by the elders of his tribe. They told of distant relations and star people living amongst the stars many times, mainly around campfires and during traditional ceremonies. One of the things that I've noticed is that a lot of the accounts that are interactions between the Cree people or any of them and aliens is usually during a... I almost called it a walkabout, but that is a different 
It's a completely different mm. thing. During a spiritual journey. Uh, it's not vision. Vision quest. Vision quest, yes. During a vision quest. So yeah. they're out there. They're getting all sweaty in the sweat lodge. In the sweat lodge. Yep. They're at times going out being completely isolated, deprived of food, water, all kinds of things on their own spiritual journey, mm-hmm. struggling to even survive. And then they see something. And if they don't see something, you got to go back. <laughs> <laughs> and you got to keep mm-hmm. going back until you see something. Yeah. Uh, which I didn't know that that's how that worked uh, for certain tribes, I would imagine. So he claims that without a doubt, all Native American tribes foster an umbilical connection with Mother Earth. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we, we all know how this works. They see them. They see themselves as caretakers of the world. They see really the circle of life in a way, and they really want to take care of it. What they see, though, is that as the world has become more polluted and we've kind of quit caring about that circle, that aliens or star people have wanted to distance themselves, which is why we don't see them as much as they used to. Hmm. And so they kind of claim that the star people are waiting back until we get our stuff sorted out (laughs) and then they're going to come and have a good time. Interesting. So they're they're not scary in the. They are not scary in any of the things that I saw. Yeah, they're always like a welcoming presence. They come, they share, they help, they talk, they help. There's nothing bad about them. They're complete. Their traits are completely spiritual in a way that Mm. there's nothing negative really about them. Hmm. Interesting. Well, good job, Alex. Thank you. I struggled. Yeah. I overcame. Yeah, well, I'll say this topic was really difficult to research because there's really not that much out there. I can't believe I found I found all kinds of pictures online that were done hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Then I couldn't find the story about the picture. Yeah, well, <clears> or even what? theories about the picture. Guess what I'm talking about today? Are you gonna? Did you find a story about a picture? I found some pictures, <laughs> but I'm just gonna talk about those pictures. All right, those paintings. Are you gonna start? Are you gonna talk about the petroglyph at Legend Rock near uh, Thermopolis, Wyoming? No, I'm not gonna talk oh, about that one in particular. People, people, please look this one up. This is a excited man to see an alien. Yep, he looks excited. <laughs> he looks excited. I. <laughs> I got some of my research from neh.gov, which is the National Endowment for the Humanities. And their website made me feel uh, like I was looking at, <laughs> like I was older because the font was massive. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, sometimes when you pick up like somebody's phone and they've got it set to like massive font. And so it's got like one or two words per line. Yeah. That's my parents. Yeah. Well, I was thinking of your parents when I was reading. I was like, this would be, this website's made for them, <laughs> but I'll probably be. Turning up the font on my phone before we know it. Yeah. We shouldn't talk too much smack. No, I'm not talking smack because there's not, no problem with it. But, you know, I'm not used to reading, like, having to scroll quite so much. Mm. Anyways, um, I also got some great insight on this topic from ancient-origins.net, which, by the way, just a warning, they had those damn earwax ads. Uh, yeah. Which really, they make me so angry. And it was mixed. I haven't seen this. Oh my gosh. Oh, they're so gross. Yeah, they're so gross. It's just pictures of people's clods of earwax. 
and they're mixed in amongst all of these pictures that I'm trying to look for of like the the hmm. most clickbait pics are ugly. They're always uh, gross. Yeah. It's always like the secret to a long life, and then like some repulsive parasite or something. <laughs> yeah. I never see this. I had ads for European video games. <sighs> Well, consider yourself lucky. I've never seen yeah. these. Consider yourself lucky because oh. I, it was disgusting. What's on your history? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but last, uh, last but not least, thank you to Dennis Ernst because I was able to view several of these art wax. These art, <laughs> art waxes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was able to view several of these artworks on his blog titled Dennis's Blog. And I was able to view them earwax free. Which is where I came up with the word. That's great. Art wax. (laughs) So, anyways, thank you to Dennis Ernst for all of your hard work. Um, But I'm going to be talking about possible depictions of extraterrestrials in indigenous art. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because there's lots of ancient artwork out there, especially from the archaic period, which I got very confused because. Um, there are so many different websites that said the archaic period was between this time and this time. And then I go to another website and it's like, no, it's between this time and this time. Oh. So don't ask me when the archaic period took place because I have no freaking idea, man. Interesting. But there's a, an art style called the Barrier Canyon rock style rock art. Say that 10 times fast. And it's painted mm-hmm. or chipped into the sides of these giant canyon walls. And there are galleries of this work all over the place out west, like in Utah and Colorado, Arizona, Nevada. And some people argue that some of this artwork is quote unquote evidence that the indigenous peoples may have been in contact with extraterrestrials. Hmm. Hmm. And it's really kind of amazing that they're still around, to be honest, because they're all outdoors. How they were painted may have also differed. Like I read some places that people like spit it onto the wall and then moved it around with their hands. Hmm. I read in some places that they might have used paintbrushes. But on one of these paintings, apparently, there was a piece of hair embedded in it from what some people think might have been a paintbrush. And it's carbon dated back to 6,750 BC. Did they Six, test seven, to five, see yeah. what the hair was? Or did uh, they just opt out of that? They probably did, but it didn't say in the article I was reading. I was like, they could have found out it was a paint. Well, I guess, you know, back then they could have made paintbrushes out of human hair. They could have. Human hair? Mm-hmm. They could have made it out of any animal hair. Plant yeah. fiber, a lot of things. Yeah. But the, the, the big thing, though, is it's a hair under 9,000 years old. That's what's crazy. Isn't that crazy? Well, most of these artworks... Turns out it was just Rebecca's hair from who just did, went through the tour last time. <laughs> <laughs> most of the artwork is red in color though not all of it and some of them are pecked into the rock wall and then some of the red paintings are some people think it's clay mixed with blood oh yeah and urine might have possibly been used as a paint binder so the fact that these have survived the elements for thousands of years blows my mind blood sweat and tears and well this is the thing that blows my mind is like they're still on the side of this wall you can go and see them now if you want but it's like i opened up my window and the sun has already started to fade out my rug that i have in my living room it's been here for two years how have these things survived you didn't pee on it (laughs) maybe maybe that's it but some of the artwork depicts some odd things like these human-esque figures with massive eyes and odd-shaped skulls. And some of them are missing their arms and legs. Some of them have horns or antenna or wings even. 
one of the most famous pieces of art I read about is called the Barrier Canyon Holy Ghost. And it depicts a number of beings, human or otherwise. But one is much bigger than everyone else, which leads some people to think that this might indicate that he might have been some type of spiritual leader, perhaps an alien. Oh. Whoa. But sometimes when it comes to stuff, I think, and this is just my personal opinion, sometimes when it comes to stuff, I think, what if we're just overthinking everything? You know what I mean? Like some people point to it and say, oh, it's an alien. What if the person, the artist who was making it, like the person in the middle is the first one they drew and they're like, oh, this is a lot bigger than I was going to do. <laughs> that, and so it's like, oh, the scale's all messed up. Oh, well, I'm just going to, you know, continue yeah. with it. Or like the leader sure. of the tribe or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And then it also, you know what it reminded me of when I was thinking, like, are we overthinking this? Is it actually made me think back to our screenwriting class where it's like people would read my work and go, oh, Cece, the scene is so meta. I, I really love <laughs> how you created this character as an allegory for capital greed. And then I'm just sitting in the corner nodding my head like, yeah, that's totally what I was doing there. It's not – I wasn't just trying to write an entertaining scene. <laughs> I was trying to make a commentary on – like. What if that's what we're doing with all of this ancient art? It's a we're very real possibility. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, looking at some of them, I mean, they're, they're really cool looking, but at the same time, it's like, you know, if I had done all my junior high doodles that I would, you know, draw in the margins of my notes in class, if those were found 9,000 years from now, would they be seen as evidence for, you know, interdimensional beings or aliens? Because, you know, People's imaginations tend to conjure up things that don't exist. It doesn't mean that they do exist by virtue of us talking about them. If I draw a picture of a purple hippopotamus, it doesn't, it's not evidence for the existence of purple hippos. It simply means that I took something and imagined it and then made it concrete via uh, illustration. It doesn't mean that it's real. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of, I don't know, that's kind of how I'm like looking at this is that we might just be reading into this. We might be projecting aliens because it's like, oh, that'd be cool to think about. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, there's no way that we can go back and ask the creators what they intended with their artwork. And then, like, if we could, how disappointed would we be if we asked the painter of this artwork what he meant by it? And he's just like, oh, you know, my wife, she sent me out to go get dinner. I caught a rabbit, but I caught it really fast. I didn't want to go back home to take care of the kids. Yeah. So I just drained the rabbit of its blood and then decided to paint something on the wall just to kill time. Like, well, how disappointing would that be? <laughs> yeah. <that's- laughs> well, I personally, this is my weird little theory. I think that most cave drawings and petroglyphs and basically pre 6,000 years ago artwork, I think most of it is ceremonial or magic in nature. Uh, like, for example, somebody you, you see a picture, for example, of a uh, a deer drawn on a cave wall and the arrow has been smudged out. Well, I think the reason for that is they drew a picture of a deer. It's kind of like the secret, you know, or what, what's that called? The magic. The law of, oh, yeah. The law of well, attraction. The, there we go. It's kind of like the, the, the law of attraction for cavemen, because basically you, you draw a deer on the, the stone face. You focus on that, like, I'm going to get a deer. You draw an arrow through it to show that you're going to get the deer. Then you go out and you bag the deer. You come back and you smudge out the arrow because you accomplished it. It's kind of like that. That's my theory. I think that most Paleolithic drawings are just that, or prehistoric, rather, drawings are just that. They are 
uh, a form of, of ancient magic. That's interesting. I've never, I've never once in a million years thought that, James. So that's an interesting yeah. perspective. Yeah. Thank you. Well, you know, another thing that really fried my grits on this research? Mm. Um, <laughs> how often researchers said, oh, the men who painted this picture. I'm sorry, mm. but women could paint too. You know what I mean? Oh. I usually don't get upset yeah. about that stuff, but there was one article that I read where they're talking about, oh, look how tiny this man's hands must have been. And I was like, what if it was a woman's hand? Oh, yeah. Mm. Good point. Well, mm. the other explanation for the odd-looking figures in the artwork is that they might just represent like the trance like visions, Alex, like you were talking about uh, that indigenous people may have undergone during spiritual or shamanistic journeys. Oh, our dogs. Yeah. What, what a shock. The idea that, uh, drawings in the desert where peyote grows might be of <laughs> yeah. hallucinations. Yeah. Well, and that's like, I'm as straight edge as anybody comes. So I can't say that I've ever had visions like this, but from what my friends tell me, there are some pretty wild things you can see while you're tripping on peyote. <laughs> and I know that that was growing around here. And a researcher named Polly Shaftsma, she spoke uh, to this kind of idea in Ancient Origins Net article that I read. And they wrote that she told them, quote, shamanistic practitioners with the assistance of various spirits were said to have the ability to travel to celestial realms and the underworld in order to communicate with purveyors of power. So hallucinations and visionary experiences characterize the shamanistic trance experience often provoked by the use of hallucinogens, mm-hmm. end quote. So that's kind of like what I thought when I looked at this stuff was it could have easily. And speaking of. Vision quest? No. Black Elk? Yeah. He was a shaman. Yeah. So what if some of the stuff that he experienced was just visions? And I have a friend whose father actually has taken part in some sweat lodges in recent years. And he's had some wild visions. Mm. So it's like, well, well, that's just it though. In the Amerindian view, because we're dealing with spiritual beings, they're no less real just because they're from a vision. Yeah. Than if you were to see them in waking life, I can hear Louise. Yeah, yeah. I, I apologize. She, uh, yeah, there she is. <laughs> but anyways, with a little mm. bit of a hike, you can actually go and visit these amazing paintings because they're still out there. And I looked up on TripAdvisor, y'all. If we if we wanted to go right now, we could drive out to Thompson, Utah. And see them in the flesh, which I think is really cool. And the ruins have 4.5 stars on TripAdvisor. <laughs> and some have even voted <laughs> yes to the question, is this a romantic place for couples? So, you guys, <laughs> if you're looking for a hot date, you guys can go look mm. at these. Um, but out of 86 reviews, only two people gave this place one star. Uh, and it was because they didn't think that they were easy to find and they despised the gravel road that they had to drive on. Oh, no. Yeah, it wasn't well taken care of. Apparently. Goodness. But I did find three-star review that read, quote, proof of aliens, pictures of aliens with antennas on their spacesuits and images of cell phones for communication with their spaceship. If you go further down the canyon or up the Seagull ghost town, bring a four-wheel drive vehicle. So at least one person out there is convinced that these paintings may indicate extraterrestrial activity. Hmm. But what do you think, James? I think that we are very prone to project aliens as the answer, especially when you were dealing with other cultures. And and I don't I'm not I'm not trying to get on a soapbox about it. We've we've done this before when we talked about chariots of the gods, but there is a racist component to this idea that 
Oh, these petroglyphs were influenced by aliens and possibly even drawn by aliens. Oh, these monuments, these statues, these, well, in this case, not statues, these, uh, these things that have been left behind that are remarkable to our eyes, these pyramids in uh, South America, they must have been made by advanced starfaring people. Well, the subtext to that is the uh, people who are indigenous to the area couldn't have made them. Yeah. That's the subtext. Yep. Uh, it, it would be as if someone from Beijing said that the Greek ruins were created by people from Neptune because there's no way the Greeks could have come up with something like that. Yeah. You know, it, again, I, I, for talking about the Romans, uh, I'm, I'm amazed by the Roman aqueducts, as we mentioned, but under no, circumstances did i ever think there's no flipping way the romans did come up with it it must have been some sort of uh intelligent peoples from elsewhere yeah so so i definitely think that that a component to that is uh, inherently bigoted yep uh, and and i don't and again i hate talking about stuff like that because i hate being political about it and i hate getting on a soapbox there's something condescending about saying that yeah but at the same time it does need to be said because I've noticed a pattern there. People generally uh, do apply that sort of, of theory when they're dealing with an external culture uh, that, that differs from their own. And you can't get very much more alien to Western civilization than Amerindian civilization in a lot of respects, including the way we, we view uh, the world and, and how we've come to people it. That being said, one of the things I would like to talk about is some of the overlap um, because there are, and I know that I, I sort of shoehorn Indo-European myths into every episode of these days, but it does, it does seem peculiar and bizarre to me that, you know, looking at the petroglyphs, one of the most blatant ones is a sun wheel. And a sun wheel is something associated with Indo-European culture to such a degree that it's one of the kind of one of the hallmarks of like, oh, we found a burial mound. Well, how do we know what people have gone to? Well, look at the sun wheel that's inscribed on the wall, you know, that's sort of one of the ways. And so it really surprised me when I saw that. Yeah. Additionally, something that we see in every culture, every culture is the idea of being descended from otherworldly beings. Mm -hmm. We see that a lot. I, I mentioned one time that Alex and I being Anglo-Saxon, you know, we, we descend from a tribe of people who call themselves the Ingavons because they believe themselves to be descended from Freyr, from Ingvi Freyr, his name. Uh -huh. Well, likewise, we see that in a lot of cultures. It doesn't necessarily mean that space aliens are responsible. Another thing we see in a lot of cultures are masks and ritual mm, attire. To call back to Corin's joke, yes. <laughs> uh, we see a lot of things like that. And so, looking at some of these petroglyphs, most of the things I think could be described purely as ceremonial clothing. You know, the the, the spirals and the horns and what people say are antennae. Yeah, antennae are something we see nowadays in science fiction because of you know alien ideas. If, if for some reason aliens should have antennae, you know what also has antennae? Bugs. So, <laughs> so it's the, the idea that they never could have like copied something they saw. I mean, looking at one of the alien petroglyphs, the one with the three antennae, kind of to me, it looks like a centipede man or something. It mm. looks, it looks like somebody just drew like an anthropomorphized insect. Yeah. So that's something that it could be, but there's one, there is one that does interest me because I am so torn on it. I'm very skeptical of it, but I'm also very, open about it. So, and that is the Badlands Guardian. Have you guys ever heard of the Badlands Guardian? No, but I'm looking it up now. 
<laughs> it is really interesting, and it was discovered all the way back in 2006. Um, somebody discovered it on Google Earth. It is a big fella's face with an Amerindian headdress. It looks, to me, it almost looks like the stereotypical um, cigar store Indian, as, as people call it, or the uh, uh, buffalo nickel Oh, yeah. That's, so cool. That's what it reminds me Whoa. of. Yeah. Well, it was discovered in 2006 by uh, a Lynn Hickoks. <laughs> she was looking for someplace on Google Earth, and she saw this. Now, what's interesting about it, first of all, is if you look at it, it looks like it was sculpted to the point where it's it's convex, so it's you know facing outwards, yeah. like, for example, a buffalo nickel, but it's not. That's an illusion. It's actually concave. Oh, wow. So, so it's, yeah, everything you're seeing is really backwards. Uh, so that's kind of cool. And that has led some people to claim that it was actually the product of erosion, kind of like the Mars face. I can say with confidence, there is no flipping way that is built by coincidence, by like just erosion. Uh, I, I mean, I, I really struggle with that idea. There's, I've seen a lot of things that look like other things, but <laughs> that one is just a little, it's got too much, not to mention the fact that it exists in an area where First Nations people were are known to inhabit. I mean, it's it's actually near Medicine Hat in Alberta. Well, think about that name, Medicine Hat. It's it's a First Nations name, <laughs> the city. Well, uh, it, so uh, it's like mm-hmm. as human beings were built to find patterns and things. That's so, very true. That's kind that's of very true. What I think, and and I think about the face on Mars in that regard too, because yeah. the face on Mars, I am a hundred percent convinced that that's a coincidence. This. This looks uh, just too real for me to accept it as, as a coincidence. That being said, here's the part where I'm skeptical. Um, we have no way of knowing how old it is. Some people say that it's, you know, over 200 years old, but that doesn't actually mean anything. That's just based on the erosion levels that have happened uh, in recent times, like recorded times. So maybe this was just made by somebody kind of like the, what, what's that fellow's name who does the British? Uh, Banksy. Pop art, ba- yeah. There we go. Maybe it's like Canadian Banksy. Or something. <laughs> uh, it could have been a more modern invention, especially given the fact that it was only discovered um, like fourteen years ago, fifteen years ago, yeah. give or take. That's that's kind of odd to me, but I do think it's really neat, and I think it's worth looking at, regardless of the circumstances. But uh, and there's one other thing that I think is is worth talking about, even though it doesn't have to do with. Amerindians themselves, but I was really surprised to hear that this was postulated so early. Um, there was a fella in 1820, Carl Gauss, and that's you know a well-known name in in physics. Yeah. Um, he decided that the best way to deal with aliens <laughs> traveling by the Earth and letting them know that we're we're sentient and all that was making. Big triangles in Siberia. In Siberia? In Siberia. So he wanted to make big triangles in Siberia so that when aliens passed by, they would see the triangles and think, whoa, 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 whoa. Nature wouldn't have done that. These fellas must be clever as all get out. Let's go say hi. (laughs) The reason why I think that's interesting is twofold, and it ties in with our topic. One, 
It's peculiar because when I think of us trying to contact aliens, I think of SETI and Voyager Probe and the Golden Discs and all that. And when I think of them trying to contact us, I think of uh, uh, crop circles. Well, all the way back in 1820, Carl Gauss had come up with crop circles as like a way for us to contact them, except in this case, it's crop triangles. And the reason I bring that up is when we look at the Nazca lines, which were made by Amerindians, when we look at the the Badlands Guardian, which is arguably older and possibly made by Amerindians, if we look at those petroglyphs, it's conceivable that this is sort of like the middle path here on, on, you know, Amerindians and aliens who built what. Instead of saying that aliens came down and influenced these structures, what if the ancient peoples, the first nations in the Americas had the same idea that Carl Gauss had, which is let's build some big old things that are really flipping cool so that the people that we keep seeing in the night sky will come down and say hello. (laughs) Interesting. So that's just my own little, uh, I wouldn't even call it a theory. It's more like a, a weak speculation. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> wow. Wow. Very interesting, James. Yeah, this was this mm-hmm. this topic was pretty challenging to kind yeah. of research. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of interesting stories out there, especially yeah. a lot of American Indian uh, creation myths. And a lot of people tied those to to the presence of aliens, but even then, if we look at prominent myths in Europe, prominent myths in India, prominent myths in Asia, a lot of them have to do with people living in the stars and coming down from the stars and being stuck in the heavens and visiting from the heavens. So I don't think that there's anything wholly unique about Amerindian folklore that makes it more, quote unquote, extraterrestrial. Yeah, I think. Or inclined to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100% because everybody can look up to the stars and see them. And wonder, you know, kind of come up with stories. So for me, it's more so just like kind of explaining life on Earth versus like, you know, oh, there were actual aliens who came and talked to people. They could have. I don't know. I wasn't there. But back then they used to pay attention to the sky. Now we don't. Yeah, we've got too Mm. much light pollution to look at the sky, which goes back to what you were saying earlier, Alex. Well, you know, it's funny. A lot of the places where First Nations people are now, including places like Medicine Hat and other parts of very, very rural Canada, there are still hot spots for UFOs. Yep. I would say that some of the most prominent places where people see UFOs on Earth are Canada and Russia. And one thing that we do know about that is there's still a big uh, indigenous population in both those places, coupled with the fact that they're more isolated and do live more. Uh, you could argue, in tune with uh, the natural order of things. Listen Ooh. to that, Alex. Woo. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow, cool, guys. This has been a, a very interesting episode. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was I was nervous about it because we haven't talked about aliens in a really long time, but that was a good, it was fun, that was a good one. And Alex, you can put yeah. that vase away. Oh, we don't right. even have to draw from it. I even it. got it ready this time. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. James, do you want to tell everybody what we're going to be talking about next week? Next week, you guys, we are going to announce some big things as well as cover lizard people. And the reason why we're covering lizard people is that was the first episode we ever covered. And next week is our 100th episode. So we're coming full circle and doing lizard people again. Yep. We're going to we're going to re-explore the topic. And uh, thank God I'm so happy because our first lizard people episode, I was (laughs) terrified. I did terrible. So I'm I'm looking forward to 
we, we were all very wooden and it's really been fun to listen to us uh, get better at things. Yes, <laughs> yes. For oh, rest. No. I agree. I hope God mm. back. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, thank you so much for listening. Do you guys have anything else you want to add to the conversation before we head off and go our separate directions for the night? Uh, no. All right. Yes. <laughs> Sounds about right. Well, you guys, I guess until next time, we hope that you can keep, keep it, it strange. strange. <laughs>